Hey, I'm Kai. This is New Normal. And today we're doing something a little different. I'm here with two writers from the magazine, Jane Lee and Malaya Ellis, and they have a story they want to tell. Yeah, uh, I can go first. Um, my name is Jane, Jane Lee. Um, I'm a junior and I write for 15 Minutes, the Crimson's magazine. Oh, I think you're muted, Malaya. Oh, <laughs> shoot, sorry. <laughs> um, my name is Malaya, Malaya Ellis. I um, I'm a sophomore, but currently on a leave of absence, and I also write. Back in October, they wrote an article about Harvard students living in the neighborhood surrounding campus. I was enrolled in classes, but kind of like a lot of people, um, as we hear about, I guess. Um, I and some roommates wanted to find a place in Boston and kind of stay near campus and be near the city and just kind of try and create a bit of the on-campus experience. Um, the article explores how students living in the area have affected the local communities. So uh, I have a friend who goes to Barnard in New York City, and she was telling me just how um, over there she's seen a lot of her friends rent places in like Harlem and neighborhoods like that, and that there there's been a lot of protest from communities in the, er- in the surrounding areas who feel like a lot of their affordable housing is being snatched up by college students who are Um, really don't need it, but just kind of want it. Um, So my idea was to see if there was a similar thing happening in the Cambridge, Boston area. It just, the story that really came out was like a tale of two very different experiences um, of the challenges that Harvard students in the area face of just dealing with like a new new normal. Um, And then that contrasted with the uh, housing and eviction crisis that's going on in among the broader um, Cambridge and Boston community that really is quite a stark contrast. Jane and Malaya will take it from here. Harvard usually houses over 98% of undergraduates on campus, creating a residential core unrivaled even by fellow Ivy League schools. Harvard's residential system is made up of 12 houses with residential deans and tutors, which are often purported to be vibrant centers of academic and social life. But the pandemic changed everything. This fall, Harvard de-densified its campus to prevent the spread of COVID-19, inviting back only freshmen and selected upperclassmen. The rest of the student body was left scattered across the country and the globe, with a significant proportion taking leaves of absences. Today, we focus on a group of students who, when displaced from campus, didn't go too far. Nearly 400 undergraduates chose to settle in the greater Boston area, either in Cambridge or in surrounding suburbs like Alston, Brighton, and Somerville. Though their geographical location preserved some sense of normalcy, these students nevertheless faced new challenges, budgeting, rent, groceries, etc. But as they settle outside the Harvard bubble, They also unwittingly enter a larger housing crisis with challenges of a different magnitude as residents struggle to pay rent or face evictions. Michael Law is a sophomore on the pre-med track. This fall, he has been living in an apartment near Central Square with another Harvard student and has been adjusting to life beyond his Canada dorm. 
honestly, I kind of just feel like an adult at this point. Like I have a nine to five. Um, like I come home, I cook dinner. Um, like I worry about the pills. I'm always complaining about like doing dishes and things. Though Hla admits he is learning some valuable skills, he misses the convenience and ease of social interaction he enjoyed while on campus. I honestly, I think the toughest part is just the like it's very isolating. You know, but really do you take for granted just like even just like when you're leaving your dorm or, you know, coming back, like seeing someone like a friendly face and saying hi, stopping to talk to them, asking about classes and things. Or just that whole routine is, I think, something that you really don't you don't notice until it's gone. You know. Junior Isabel Musselman is also living nearby off-campus in a Somerville duplex with another Harvard student. We have two bedrooms, we have a living room, a dining room, a kitchen, and a balcony, uh, which is super lit, especially considering um, like social distancing and it like gives us a place to be outdoors. Um, that's kind of our own, which is really nice. Both Hla and Musselman acknowledge how lucky they feel to be able to live comfortably and in very convenient locations. Hla says he saved up all summer to be able to afford his $1,200 a month rent and was grateful to find what he calls a good deal. Musselman similarly acknowledges her privilege in having saved up to afford rent, as well as in receiving support from her parents. I have been saving for a long time. I don't know what I've been saving for, so I kind of decided, like, Right now, I this is it, um, and I'm both fortunate to be in a position where that's feasible and also um, have worked to put myself in such a position, but recognize that most people and many people aren't. Um, and I think it's made us expressly difficult by the fact that Harvard is not located in an area that, you know, breeds affordability. Cambridge and surrounding areas are notoriously prohibitively expensive, even for renters. Single-family homes regularly sell for upwards of a million dollars, while rent in desirable neighborhoods can run a couple grand for a one-bedroom apartment. For Harvard students looking to live off campus, the pandemic has actually helped make prices more affordable. With many schools and companies in the area moving classes and workflow entirely online, proximity is no longer as essential, lowering demand for rentals. Some landlords are scrambling to fill properties, even becoming more flexible about lease lengths and waiving broker fees a responsibility often shouldered by the tenant, at least in Boston. In fact, some real estate agents claim rental prices have been reduced by as much as a third. But silver linings for Harvard undergraduates don't always extend to other groups. As Harvard students struggled to figure out the basics of independent life, residents and surrounding communities face difficulties of a much different caliber. While students learn to divvy up chores and budget for groceries, other locals face the possibility of being forced out of their homes. The pandemic has wreaked havoc upon Boston's housing market. Unwitting or not, Harvard students benefit from the fallout of this crisis. More units are available for us to occupy, and at lower prices. I was one of these students. I settled into an apartment in Dorchester with three other roommates, hoping that the proximity to campus and Boston would allow me some imitation of the junior fall I anticipated. And when I scrolled through Airbnb in July, searching for places to stay in Boston, I was pleasantly surprised at the sheer volume of discounts. Barely any unit was still going for its original price. But I'll admit, when I wondered why Airbnb looked like it was having a blowout sale, my reasoning only stretched as far as, all oh right, people probably aren't traveling during the pandemic.
But during the semester, Malaya and I started working on a piece for the magazine, highlighting problems in the housing market that the pandemic both exposed and created. And the more we uncovered, the more I started to notice about my new home in Dorchester and the inequalities I might have been contributing to. I've moved back home for winter break, and thankfully the university's plan made my decision for the spring a little more simple. But next semester remains uncertain for some. What should be considered before Boston experiences another unexpected influx of students for the spring? And how have, and will, residents' homes be affected as the pandemic maintains its grip on the country? Right now, it looks like there's going to be there's about a quarter of a million people who are behind on rent and who will not be able to pay rent because they lost their jobs due to COVID-19. A quarter of a million people in Massachusetts. That was Kia Duggins, president of the Harvard Legal Aid Bureau. HLAB has been working with other local organizers to advocate for tenants at risk of eviction. And the need for help is evident. Since mid-March, More than 1 million Massachusetts residents have filed for some form of unemployment assistance, and now, some estimate anywhere from 60 to 100,000 households face the risk of imminent eviction. We talked to Kia in October. Since then, Massachusetts' eviction moratorium has ended and eviction filings are rising. In pre-pandemic times, the state's eviction rate is around 600 filings per week. WBUR reported that, in the week of November 16th alone, landlords filed over 680 cases. The federal eviction moratorium ends on December 31st, removing yet another safety net and potentially resulting in the eviction of thousands more people. And most people don't even know their rights when it comes to eviction, something that these organizers are trying to change. Duggins made sure to mention two main rights for any tenant in Massachusetts who may face eviction. The first, everyone has a right to demand a jury trial. That's an important, uh, it's just like a constitutional right that you can demand uh, and have like a trial by your peers. But it's also important because it takes a while to get juries together. So it keeps people in their home for longer. The second right? You do not have to move out of your home until you have an order signed by a judge that's delivered by a constable. Even if your landlord says you have 30 days, even if your landlord says you have two weeks, it doesn't matter if they don't show you an order signed by a judge to move you out, then they cannot put you on the street, they cannot change the law. But despite the rights meant to protect tenants from unjust evictions, the winter still looks bleak for many families. And as COVID-19 cases continue to rise, these vulnerable populations will become more vulnerable still. Because, as you can imagine, um, now that the eviction moratorium has lifted, that those quarter of a million people are at risk of eviction, during a pandemic and in as winter approaches, which will be not only immoral on its face, but also an extreme public health risk um, Mm -hmm. in that people will be forced to go to shelters or forced to live with their families. They'll be in close quarters. They'll be at risk of catching COVID-19. Like Duggan says, the pandemic only magnifies the consequences of eviction. And the resources that would ordinarily help families now pose greater risks. And as evictions rise, the long-term effects could make the cost of living even more burdensome. Large real estate companies can purchase properties for cheap, then flip them and sell them for a higher price, or charge a higher rent to the tenants. So it's like gentrification in action, like in rapid action. Um, If 
a whole bunch of people get evicted or foreclosed on at once. Um, it'll lead to just massive gentrification and probably a lot of profits for a lot of big companies, but also a lot of homelessness for a, a big chunk of people in Massachusetts. Homelessness and death even uh, since we're in a pandemic. When I was surfing Airbnb back in the summer, I'll be the first to say that my thoughts didn't extend too far past the lowered prices that graced my screen. It never occurred to me that lost livelihoods and lost homes might be contributing to my ideal fall semester. It's a difficult line to walk. It's hard to know what sort of action might be ethical, especially in times like these. And when we're on campus, living inside the bubble that surrounds Harvard, it can be easy to forget that there's a world outside of the yard and the square. So the goal, I believe, is just to stay conscious. We don't just pop into the city for nine months out of the year and suddenly leave without a trace. Our presence has consequences, and we should be mindful of them. New Normal is a podcast about students in the pandemic. It's produced and edited by me, Kai McNamee. This episode was written and reported by Malaya Ellis and Jane Lee. You can read their original article on the Crimson's website. It's called Breaking the Harvard Bubble.